It's Jefferson Graham. You're listening to the audio edition of the Photo Walks Travel Photography Series, where on audio, I sit down with folks and get more information, a casual conversation about what it's like to live in an area, what it's all about. And today we have a very special guest. Kevin Cody is the publisher of the Easy Reader newspaper, which has been chronicling the South Bay of Los Angeles for over 50 years. That's Manhattan Beach, Hermosa Beach, and Redondo Beach. Nobody knows the South Bay like Kevin Cody. So sit down and have yourself a listen to my chat with Kevin Cody. Let's start off with people that don't live here and that know about there's these beach cities. Would you tell them about, you know, just put into words what the beach cities are all about? Yeah, well, there's three, Hermosa, Manhattan, and Redondo. They're contiguous. They're about the same size. Redondo's a little bit bigger. Uh, but they morph together, and the lifestyle is pretty much the same in the three cities, and it's very much focused on the beach, surfing and volleyball. Okay, well, well, when you wrote your article, I think you said Manhattan Beach is where the wealthiest people live. Yeah. And then it, Hermosa, not as wealthy, and then Redondo, not as wealthy. And it sort of goes down the further you get to the hill. That's true. It's less true as people have discovered the South Bay. But the three cities do have distinct personalities, particularly if you talk to the people who live in each of the three cities. They'll tell you that their city is better for reasons that aren't easily fathomable, but the way I characterize it is Manhattan is like the privileged oldest child. You know, the wealthiest, the best athlete, uh, the one who pretty much everything's given to and has taken full advantage of the opportunity. Hermosa is not cheap by any means, but it has always had this sort of bohemian rebel child reputation with the Insomniac Coffee House that the police closed down, the Lighthouse Jazz Cafe, which the police tried to close down, and then more recently the Comedy and Magic Club, uh, which has sort of been the anchor point for Hermosa culture for the past 20 years, 30 years, actually. And an active bar scene. Very active. And Hermosa has an active bar scene as well. Okay, so... And Manhattan's <laughs> former... Manhattan used to be a party town in a serious way. Um, I mean, it was famous for stewardesses and airline pilots. But all those restaurants, or those bars like the Hatchback and the Shellback, they've become bistros. With the exception of the Shellback, I should point out. The Shellback and Hercules are the last two dive bars in Manhattan Beach. But the rest of the restaurants are pretty upscale. Hermosa's restaurants are moving toward upscale. You know, the Poop Deck, which was about almost 50 years old, no, more than 50 years old. It was pretty much the last Hermosa dive bar, and it closed about two weeks ago. It's on the Strand. It got taken over by new owners who tried to make it into kind of a wine bar, and it just didn't take. You know, it, it had a reputation as a dive bar, and even the new owners, in the end, kind of reconciled to themselves that this is not going to be a Manhattan Beach wine bar. This is going to be a Hermosa Beach dive bar. But it recently closed due to litigation with uh, property owners. But Manhattan is the privileged, Hermosa is the rebel, and what's Redondo? And then we get to Redondo, sort of the neglected third child. But the irony is, and it's, the income's not as great, uh, you know, Redondo's 
kids went to Vietnam and they're going to Iraq, or most of the Manhattan kids, they're not going in the military. Uh, Redondo still has ROTC at its high school, maybe one of the last high schools in LA with ROTC program. Um, it's got a harbor. The, the distinctive thing about Redondo is first, it's, geographically it's twice as large, population-wise it's twice as large, and it has assets that the other cities don't. Hermosa Manhattan are fully built out. There are no vacant lots. Redondo first has the harbor, which is due for some sort of redevelopment. It has a 56-acre AES power plant, which has to shut down in 2022, so that's gonna be 56 acres of vacant land for parks, condominiums, shopping centers, and most probably very bitter fights about how it's developed because they've already tried to put a kind of a Laguna-style marina in Redondo Beach, and it cost the proponents, the council that advocated at their seats, and the project got blocked. They tried something similar on the power plant in the early 90s when it was scheduled to be torn down, and that council got thrown out. So, so, the, so the AES power plant, the city's gonna have to come to terms with it sooner or later, but it is a tremendous asset. And it also is home to the Beach City's Health District, which has 11 acres. And the Beach City's Health District right now has a proposal for a $400 million, I don't know, 200, 300,000 square foot campus, which is essentially is gonna be a health campus. It's going to have senior living, senior units for care, full care, like memory care, that will be very expensive and will fund the rest of the project, which will have a youth center and a pool and a, a, an aquatic center, which South Bay badly needs, and a senior center and exercise classes and parks. I mean, it's quite a stunning architectural, the renderings are quite stunning. But it too has run into just a firestorm of opposition from people who essentially live nearby and don't want to put up with five years of construction. Okay. But when it comes to beaches, that's what people come to see when they come to visit. And whether it's Manhattan Beach and the pier, the, the famous pier, uh, whether it's Hermosa and the bars and, and a little bit of beach, beach life. And then Redondo, you've got the Esplanade, you've got a thriving little restaurant community in the Riviera. Um, how do you, you're in the water every day, which I love, right? You go surfing every morning. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Okay, how do you describe the, the different waters uh, of the three communities? Uh, first, they're more similar than dissimilar. They're all beach breaks, as opposed to a reef break or a break that has a rocky bottom like Malibu or Palos Verdes, which has uh, coves. So they're all beach breaks, which makes them difficult to surf and unpredictable and generally not very good. Manhattan, because it's to the north, gets some of the swells from the south in the summer. Redondo and Hermosa get none of that. Manhattan has a canyon that works like a funnel drive, brings the north swells in during the winter. They come slamming into Manhattan Beach. So Manhattan Beach in the winter, which is the best time to surf in the South Bay, is generally twice as big as in Hermosa Beach. But then there are some days that are unpredictable. Some days, Torrent, or, uh, Torrance Beach, Redondo, which is furthest south, furthest from the uh, 
North Starns, but more importantly, has the shallower bottom. It can just suddenly get giant down there. You surf at Hermosa? I surf in Hermosa because that's where I live. It's just convenient. So you it's wake easier. up in the morning, get the board, and walk, walk a few blocks? Go take a look. If there's waves, go in the water. If there's no waves, go to work. Hmm. Um, and I'm not alone in that. I mean, there's a lot of people who that's, that's their daily rituals. Take a look at the water and then decide whether or not they're going to come to work on time or not come to work on time. Now, every year you guys do photo contests here at the, at the, at the Easy Reader, uh, and you see all the pictures of the South Bay that people submit. The number one image is? Yeah, it's the pier, the Manhattan Beach Pier specifically. We, we actually reached a point where we were going to prohibit Manhattan Beach Pier photos. It, it is actually a breathtaking sight. Uh, so the photos are stunning, but you get, it's like sunset photos. I mean. Yeah. No matter how stunning the sunset was when you took that photograph, to the person who's looking at it three days later, it's another sunset. Yeah. And, uh, but we do, we, we didn't really ban the pure photographs. We, we get a lot of pure photographs. And Hermosa's pier is similar. You know, people shoot from underneath the pier. Uh, it doesn't have the curves that the Manhattan Pier has. The pilings are all curved and gnarly. Hermosa's pilings are fairly new and they've been replaced. And then Manhattan Redondo's pier, you know, they've got the horseshoe pier it's and the monster pier, pier and the fishing pier. Yeah, there's actually, the fishing pier actually just got torn down, but they plan to rebuild it. Uh, but it's got more on it. Uh, and, and again, it's, it's a very interesting place to photograph. You know, people and sunsets and dolphins flying out of the water. Uh, and pelicans. There's some great pelicans, pelicans there. Yeah, right? pelicans. What, uh, what else is interesting in these art contests when they don't show you the pier and you're looking at pictures of the South Bay? Uh, surfers, yeah. <laughs> people surfing, and you know, the, her, the South Bay has more nature than it gets credit for. There's actually, the, Redondo has uh, a park called Wilderness Park, and it's like Topanga. I mean, you go behind, it's, first it's hard to find, it's, uh, it's off of El Camino Real, I think, and, uh, and when you go through these gates, it's like, oh my god, I didn't know there's turtles and lizards and all sorts of stuff that South Bay Land Conservancy is taking care of it and doing a very good job. So I made a vow in January that I would not shoot the pier again for the entire year. Oh my god, that's, that, that must be... <laughs> last very long. You couldn't stick to it, huh? Uh, well, the thing is, you know, I get up really early and I go down there and I thought, oh, I'll take a picture. I try hard not to yeah. do it, but, yeah. but, you know, when you're taking a picture at 5.30 in the morning and there's some lights on the pier, it makes it kind of interesting. It's pretty. It is pretty. I, agree. I just try not to post it. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's good. And the, the other thing, volleyball shots. Uh, volleyball, I mean, they're very athletic. And my favorite volleyball shot is a guy or a woman getting ready to hit before they hit the ball. And they've got their arm cocked back like this, but their backs are bent like this. And they're about ready to go. And you wouldn't, if you watch them, you don't really see it. But if you capture it in a picture at a thousandth of a second, you realize how much torque they put behind those swings. And it's not all arm, it's back and shoulder, which could explain why shoulder doctors are very busy in the South Bay. Sports really big in the South Bay, more so than Santa Monica and Venice, the other beach communities that a lot of people know of. Yeah, I think the water sports are because the, the beach is very accessible. And I grew up in Pacific Palisades, and I compare it to Palos Verdes. You want to go to the beach, got to get in the car. You want to go to the store, got to get in the car. You want to go to school, you got to get in the car. 
Hermosa Manhattan Redondo, actually growing up, my family vacationed in Balboa Island. I saw these little 10-year-old kids running around like they owned the town. And I really thought as a child even, this is where, that's the kind of place I'd like to live, where I don't have to check in every five minutes with my parents and everything's accessible. And Hermosa is especially like that. It's flat, it's at sea level. Uh, the residential butts right up against the commercial. In fact, they kind of mix in a little bit. Manhattan, a little bit less so, but it's still, you know, it's just a slight little hill down to the beach. And a big and, hill up, but anyway. And a big hill up. But, but that accessibility, you know, quadruples the likelihood that, you know, you're out for a walk, you think, oh, I think I'll go down to the beach. As opposed to if you're in Palos Verdes or Sir Palisades or I grew up, you know, you go out for a walk or a bike ride or anything. It's like, I'm not going down the beach, you know. Then that's like I got it all the way down those hills. So, so very walkable. That, yeah. That Hermosa in Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. And my, bikeable too. Yeah. Now my mom lives in Redondo, yeah. but she drives to go to the Esplanade, even though it's a mile away. Yeah. She can walk though. Yeah, I mean, it, it's during the walk. And then the other thing that's changed quite a bit and I have mixed feelings about it, are the electric bikes. And here's the plus side. I, I, a, a Mohammed, who owns a bike store on Pier Avenue, I was talking to him about electric bikes, and you know he's been there forever, and I figured he's not going to like electric bikes because that's not what he does. And he says, oh, they're wonderful. And I go, really? He says, yeah, Kevin, I have, I have an 80-year-old friend who essentially is housebound because he can't drive. But on an electric bike, he visits friends in Torrance. He can go all over the South Bay. It's all yeah. level. and. Yeah. And he can do it to get a little bit of exercise. So the electric bikes have enabled a lot of people who wouldn't otherwise, who would otherwise get in their car or otherwise yeah. just not do anything, get out and get a little bit of exercise and fresh air and that sort of stuff. The downside, of course, is... Pedestrians? Well, pedestrians Boom. and 10-year-old kids. I mean, would you give your 10-year-old kid a motorcycle? No. You give your 10-year-old kid an electric bike? Yeah, everybody's got them. And and I'm, I'm pretty concerned there's going to be some tragedies. Just, I mean, a crossing guard called me and she said, you know, you got to do stuff about these electric kids on bikes. I go, well, what's wrong? I said, they just pay no attention to stop signs. They pay no attention to me. I mean, if they come to a corner and I'm there, they stop. When I say walk, they walk. If they come flying up to the corner at 20 miles an hour on an electric bike, they don't even see me, much less the cars that are coming the other direction. Well, they so. certainly don't stop in front of the Manhattan Beach Pier. They yeah. will not stop. Right. Well, then there's that. The, the electric bikes. Electric vehicles, bikes, skateboards, those one-wheeler yeah. skateboard things. Uh, yeah, I mean, the rule, the law is you can't have the engine on. But it's not strictly enforced, and it's certainly not obeyed, which is kind of inexcusable because the strand from Redondo Beach, Torrance Beach, to Santa Monica is flat. Right. It's not like you needed help getting up the hill. So... I, I think they could enforce it, and I think then it would be fine. You know, they, I don't, no one minds the electric bikes as long as they're not going 20 miles an hour. As long as they stop in pedestrian zones. That, that, that's yeah, my thing. as long as they just follow the normal courtesy now, rules. Now, speaking of biking, one of the things I think is really cool about you, you live here in the city, you're, you're the publisher of this wonderful newspaper, and I don't think you drive. Right? It, Not much. It, it, yeah, you drive occasionally. Yeah. You get up every morning, you walk to the beach, you go surfing. Yeah. Then when you're done, you dry off. I assume you take a shower, and you hop on your bike and you ride to work. Yeah. Well, it's 1.3 square miles, Hermosa. So the time it would take me to find a parking space driving to work 
is the extra time it takes me to bicycle. I mean, it's, it's, it's five minute drive and a 10 minute bike ride and five minutes parking. And it's the same thing, you know, someone calls and like there's something going on at City Hall that new cars are photographed. City Hall is like a half mile away. For me to get in my car, get out of the parking lot, go in traffic, find a place to park where I've got to get, it's just not efficient. It's, it's way more convenient to get on a bike. Right, and you can go downhill to get there. Yes, downhill to get there. It's not gonna be downhill coming back. Right. But, but and, and it's also sort of exercise, it's not total waste. I, if I'm in a car, I pretty much feel I'm wasting my time. And, uh, and on a bike, I feel, yeah. But I when you exercise. cover evening events, sometimes you'll actually drive there. Try not to. No, I, I, I evening events especially, uh, I'd rather bicycle, you know, if it's within four miles. If it's, like even Riviera Village, if Riviera Village is about a 20 minute bike ride. It's a 10 minute car ride. And yeah. then it's a $2 parking fee. And right. then that's if you find a parking uh, meter. So the, the area, there's, a, especially in Amosa, there's a big move to make biking more accessible by basically choking off the cars. And it's not, I'd say it's probably about 50-50 how people feel. I mean, most people don't bicycle, and they don't really want to get stuck in traffic going through Hermosa Beach. But again, you know, downtown Hermosa is only like six blocks long. Yeah. So even if it's bumper to bumper, it's only for six blocks. It's not like you're on the 405 for the next 15 miles. Well, it's so small, I walk from Manhattan Beach to Hermosa and back every morning. Yeah. Yeah. So. Six miles. Six miles. Yeah. All right, well, that's good. So that's probably a 40-minute walk, right? 50-minute well, walk? Unfortunately, it's two hours. Oh, two uh, hours. Well, that, not everybody has two hours. Yeah, no, nobody does. Yeah. But, uh, you know, one way, both ways, it's two hours. But the, but there is a big effort to make the big cities. If I get to be, uh, if, if I get to be as, in a great shape as you, I'll double my speed. I, if I think you should get a bicycle. I know, but I like, I like walking. Yeah. The other thing I say about bicycling is... is I like biking, too. Yeah. But, yeah and the morning. same thing with walking. You see things you just don't see right. blasting through town. I mean, I, I see houses I didn't even know were in town. I've probably driven by them a thousand times. I go, oh, my God, look at that house. It's behind a wall. It's kind of cool. Or that, that little restaurant that opened that, you know, you, you just... There's no way. There's there's a bar in the corner of 14th and Mimosa Avenue that you would not know exists if you drove by every day. It, it, I shouldn't call it a bar because they have extremely good food. I'm also a brew company, I think. Yeah. But they That's did new, right? terrible for the first year or two. And then when COVID hit, they got the deck out front. And so suddenly people knew they were there and they've done very well. Now here at the Easy Readers, I think one of some of your most popular articles are about food and restaurants. Is that true? Yeah, we have, we have a very good restaurant writer named Richard Foss and he's, He's, he's very erudite. He may be right over people's heads, but you do learn something from him. He's written books on rum and books on airplane food. and mm -hmm. So he, he's very knowledgeable. And the South Bay has become kind of a hot spot. And another foodie hotspot. Yeah, it's a foodie hotspot. Particularly so. Manhattan Beach. Particularly Manhattan yeah. Beach. But the same thing, Hermosa too, you know, the, uh, Hermosa and Redondo, in some ways, are more inventive because they're not quite as expensive. They don't have to have quite the surefire celebrity chef. Mm -hmm. You know, they can take a chance on some guy like, I forget his name, Pernasen Gutierrez, I think, who's a Baron's chef. Um, you know, it's in a strip mall. But he's an exceptional chef, and they have exceptional food, and they've done exceptionally well. And people here like to eat. 
And people, yeah, they can walk to dinner. And they come. And they can well, walk they, it off. They, yeah, they come from out of town, too. Go to the beach and then go out to eat. Yeah, there's something about um, destination. News stories, you've covered them all. There's been some really big ones. Yeah. Uh, going back to McMartin, the McMartin preschool case. Yeah. This year, it's Bruce's Beach, uh, where they've, they're talking about giving the beach back to the family that they took the land away from years uh -huh. ago. How does that one compare to some of the other big ones you've done? Yeah, as far as the outcry from people and um, yeah. your thoughts. Well, nothing compares to Big Martin. That, that was a major tragedy. That was kind of like the Vietnam of South Bay. Uh, Bruce's Beach, Bruce's Beach, to my mind, is a bit of an academic exercise. This is an opportunity for people to sort of philosophize about racial inequities and history and that sort of thing. It's, it's not like your child is in trouble um, or your school. COVID, COVID was, you know, could be the biggest story we've ever covered. I mean, certainly nothing has had the impact on the three beach cities. Not that the impact's been any different from the rest of the nation, but, you know, beaches were closed and we all know what happened at COVID and we're still waiting for the other shoe to drop. Matter of fact, the other shoe seems like there's more than one other shoe. They just seem to keep dropping every day so I kind of hope I don't see anything like COVID again. I mean, the only thing I can imagine that compared to COVID would be a Great Depression style, Great Depression coming again. Remind everybody what, what McMartin was? Well, there's a preschool in McMartin where the teacher is accused of abusing children. And the investigation, you know, if one kid says it, then his sister maybe was abused. And if his sister was going to another preschool, then maybe the other preschool had teachers that were abusing kids. And that was seven preschools being shut down. Uh, no convictions. Um, it, you know, in hindsight, it was hysteria. I, I don't like the word hysteria because the common use of hysteria is Salem witchcraft or people believing in crazy things. But th these were, you know, well-educated, well-meaning, not looking out to scapegoat. I mean, certainly no one who sent their kid to McMartin preschool wanted the teachers to be evil. There, there wasn't a racist or sexist or any of those elements. But the belief began to spread that there had been an abuse, and then the belief just swept through, and, uh, and it was pretty hard to put a stop to. Okay, so that was put Manhattan Beach on the front pages back in the 80s, right? Yeah. It was in the 80s. Through the 90s. Through the 90s. 11 years. Okay. Yeah. And I came here in the 80s, and it was all about Santa Monica. That was the beach. And uh, yeah. people on the west side didn't really come down here. That's really changed a lot, yeah. uh, at least by my perception. What changed to get more people coming down to the South Bay? Well, one explanation has been the LA school districts. Um, people moved to the South Bay to, because the schools are highly regarded. I think the other thing, again, I mentioned I grew up in the Palisades. I did not her know Hermosa Manhattan Redondo existed. And you know, in my 20 years of growing up there, I simply had never been here. And the only explanation I can give is that if I or my family got in a car or we're going any distance, we got on the 405 and the 405 swings right past the beach cities. You just don't see them. So I think, and my, my dad went to SC and grew up on the west side. He, he actually grew up in New York, but he, he, he lived, always lived his adult life on the west side. He was always kind of amazed the beach cities never became more popular sooner. 
but it just because on a Saturday or Sunday you will drive on the Pacific Coast Highway through the tunnel going to Santa Monica and yeah. you'll see these giant lines right of yeah cars and they say, well don't they know their beaches down here yeah it's exactly right but if you went if you got took out the 10 freeway and cross the 405 it, it feeds you into toward Malibu if you turn south when the, where the 10 crosses the 405 instead of going straight or going north to Malibu you went south you wouldn't come to Hermosa Manhattan Redondo you'd end up in Huntington or San Diego because the freeway actually the land bows out and the freeway bows in and I, I, so it's what changed? Sort of a simplistic, what, got what got people here? I, I think I get schools. I think started it and word of mouth. There's also the Raiders and the Lakers and the soccer team. You know the StubHub, the soccer stadium. That brought the athletes down here, and the athletes brought attention. So I think there are quite a few factors involved, but those are two of the factors. And the good side is that uh, lots of money into the community. The bad side is it now costs, what, two, three, four million dollars to buy a home? Yeah, I think they just came out with Manhattan's, it was just under average three million. And and I kind of wonder where they find those three million dollar houses because everything I see advertises five million or 10 million. Um, I, I tell you kind of an interesting story about the change. I mean, I did a series of stories on, on the I mean, the towns, were, they were gentrified in the 70s and 80s. Gentrification doesn't really apply. It's, and, and the term that I coined is ultrification. It's like, no, we're not talking about tearing down a 1920s beach bungalow and building a 2,000-square-foot, $900,000 home. We're talking about tearing down a 2014 McMansion and building that costs $10 million and putting another $10 million into it and having a $20 million house. And that's kind of off the charts money. That's and, there, not, and it's two people. Two people living two people, there, may, maybe one kid. Or a vacation home. Yeah. I mean, I, I've never seen official stats on the Strand, but you know, just sort of the popular wisdom is over half of the homes are not occupied. A, a um, $5 million condo, two bedroom was just sold on the Strand for a, a, an executive in Colorado who's planning on spending a month here. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it is, it's crazy money. Yeah. I, I, I can only, I have one good anecdote about the positive aspect of it, and it's that there's an artist in North Manhattan, El Porter, named Don Spencer, who you'd see his postcards of scenes of the Lamar Theater and the beach in drugstores when they had drugstores. But he's, he's a pretty accomplished artist. And he grew up there, and he built the house next door to the house his parents built on sand dunes in El Porto. And he took his family, built a boat in his backyard, and sailed around the world. So he was a pretty hardcore beach guy. And uh, I, was, I was talking to him one day, and I said, sit down. And now everything all around him is all built up, right? He still is in his little bungalow, but the, the surrounding neighborhood is expensive. So, so what do you think? I said, Kevin. I go to Starbucks every morning. I meet the most interesting people. They are so smart and so well-educated, so wealthy. And I thought, well, you know, it's, there's something to be said for that. You know, it's, it's kind of nice to have a populace that's educated and, and successful. So you can't really complain. I mean, they earned it. So, you know, good for them. Yeah, okay. 
Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something about the, something about the South Bay. Um, you walk everywhere, at least you, you walk on your bike. And oh, so I meet people and they say, Where do you live? I say, Well, I live in LA. When I'm not here, right? And I'm yeah. out of town. You know, LA, oh, it's so crowded. It's so, so now you don't understand. Yeah. I live in a beach community with 35,000 people. Yeah. I walk everywhere. It's a bubble. I never leave. Oh, okay. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Right? And that's how you think of it? It's a bubble? Yeah, it is a bubble. Uh, uh, I think it's a little unfortunate that the bubble has a negative connotation. I mean, every place is a bubble. You know, Santa Monica's a bubble. Compton's a bubble. San Fernando Valley's a bubble. I mean, they, but it takes us an hour to leave. If we were going to get in a car and you're going to drive to downtown Los Angeles on yeah. an average day, it's, it takes an hour. And that, that yeah, if you're thinking of bubble in terms of, of physical isolation. Like you're home and you're not going to leave. Yeah. yeah. There's something. And, and that may also explain why the South Bay is a little slow to develop. Um, because if the central business district is downtown or Century City or is on the west side, you're right. You're looking at an hour, you're looking at a two-hour day commute. Right. Um, you know, I'm down at the beach in the morning, and it's beautiful. The weather's great. It's uh, 72 degrees every day. And my friend was just in uh, La Quinta. It's 110. It's like well, that's true too. Right. Yeah. And and then yeah. in the summer, in the winter, when it's uh, 20 degrees, yeah, it's still 72 degrees here. Not really, but but it feels like it. Yeah. No, it's it's right. You know, we don't have fires and we don't have floods and. We have earthquakes, but so far none really bad. No tsunamis. Yeah. Tsunami. Tsunamis. None of those. I, earthquakes probably the thing we need to worry about, and and it probably won't be as bad as elsewhere because we have these height restrictions. You know, the reality is there's very few buildings that are over a two-story. So if you're listening, come visit, enjoy the piers, the Manhattan and Hermosa. Though the Manhattan beer is the jewel, the Manhattan yeah. pier is the jewel. Uh, because of the roundhouse, I think it just adds yeah. something to it, and the yeah. underneath is always good, and uh, and just enjoy and Redondo enjoy the Esplanade, right? Yeah, and, and don't be too resentful. Just enjoy yeah. it. Get it's, on your bike. I mean, I was lucky. I just happened. I could have landed in Bakersfield, or not to speak disparagingly of Bakersfield, but you know, the people who who moved here more than a few years ago were lucky to be able to move here at a time when it wasn't terribly expensive and the people that move here now are lucky to be able to afford it and and the rest of the populace is you know they're lucky to be able to come down and enjoy a nice meal and, and the beaches are friendly and, and and the beaches are wide open I mean it, it, you're not going to run into a crowd if it's crowded just drive down go south two blocks or right. go north two blocks yeah and you'll have it all to yourself yeah for people to read the easy reader online EasyReaderNews.com. It's right? online, EasyReaderNews.com. It's in coffee shops and restaurants every week. Um, yeah, it's it's. There's a lot to read. There's a lot for. I mean, one of the nice things about having a newspaper in these towns is they have a lot going on. They, you know, they have all the intrigue and the technology and the business of a large city, but they're small enough where you kind of get wrap your heads around it. You know, you. you, you if you read these read every week, you got a pretty good sense of what's going on in town. If you read the LA Times every year, every day, it's still be hard to know what's going on in LA. And not to fault the LA Times, it's just just a it's so gigantic big. metropolis. Right. So yeah. All right. EasyReaderNews.com. Kevin Cody. 
Thanks to Kevin Cody for sitting down and talking with us on the Photo Walks audio companion to the travel photography series, which of course you can watch on YouTube at Photo Walks TV and on Tubi. Just do a search for Photo Walks or Jefferson Graham and you'll find it. Um, we've got a Manhattan Beach episode up and a Redonda Beach. We even have a Hermosa Beach episode as well on, on YouTube. All three of them are on YouTube. So I hope you'll watch. Uh, look for me on Twitter or Instagram where I'm at Jefferson Graham. And thanks again, everyone, for listening.